I think in 2016, their legal trend report said, hey, clients who pay online or who are offered that option pay 39% faster. 39%. And then it's kind of an astounding number. I think from the 2019 report, they said 57% of online payments are paid the same day that that invoice is sent out. So if I send out an invoice that says, client, you owe me $5,000, here's the link to pay. 57% of the time, they're paying within the same day. 85% of the time, they're paying within the same week, which is kind of wild. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Answering Legal's Everything Except the Law podcast. I am your host, Nick Worker. If this is your first time tuning in, this is the podcast where we share expert advice on all the parts of running a law firm that attorneys weren't exactly trained for back in law school. Uh, On this episode, we'll be talking about handling legal payments and using legal technology. Helping guide us through this conversation will be Jordan Turk, who serves as an attorney over at LawPay. Jordan, Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad that we didn't cover this entire interview before I was able to introduce you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm such a talker and I say this to everybody is like, I have to remember to shut my mouth and let the guest do the talking because you're the important, nobody, no, they're not coming here for me. This is an interview based podcast. Nick, shut up. And if you tell me to shut up, I will appreciate you even more. Um, <laughs> So without further ado, um, Jordan, can you please tell us all a little bit more about yourself and obviously about the company you work for, LawPay? Right. So I am, I've been practicing law probably about, yeah, oh my God, five years already now. So I was with a high asset family law firm in Houston uh, prior to coming to LawPay. I actually interned for LawPay way back when in undergrad, when we were just a little itty bitty startup, you know, in the legal field. So it's been really cool to see how it grew but I did PCI compliance for them and then went to law school and practiced. And now I'm back here. And if y'all don't know what law pay is, we are basically, if you want to take credit cards for your law firm or e-checks now, uh, we do that for you. That's awesome. And that is such a cool coincidence because I'm not a lawyer. So let's, let's put that out there. I am not qualified to do that stuff, but um, you interned at law pay when it was a startup. That's so cool because that's like how I got started here is um, actually it's a, it's, it's a not really that crazy of a story. I, uh, I was in between colleges at this point in my life. Um, I, I used to go somewhere upstate New York and then I came back to Long Island. I went to Stony Brook everybody knows Stony Brook. Um, and uh, I just randomly, I was like delivering pizza on the side while I was going to class. And uh, this is my, one of my good friends, family's business. And they were like, why, why are you delivering, delivering pizza? Like, come help us out with our startup. And we were an itty bitty, tiny, like, what, 20 people, maybe? Yeah, same including, here. including people answering the phone for us. And uh, yeah, I started out on the phones, just making phone calls to uh, attorneys trying to, trying to generate interest. But uh, so I obviously have a lot of respect for how you started out. Um, so. Yeah. Except nobody ever wanted to, no attorney that I called for some reason ever wanted to talk about PCI compliance or was super excited about it. I can't disagree. There's not a lot of people at that time, especially I, I'm not the phone guy. I'm the, uh, I'm like the, the, the writing internet marketing nerd here. So obviously that wasn't a good fit for me. I'm not the phone guy. 
And so I can't say that many people wanted to talk to me either. Um, but uh, I want to I want to talk about this. So like pretty much everybody has been forced to work remotely this year. It's not even really just the legal industry, but specifically pertaining to to the legal profession. So from a from a payment handling standpoint, how much of the legal world was was severely unprepared for this? I would say that's super hard to quantify, right? Because everybody's in a different position and all firms are different. But I would say we absolutely saw an uptick than we normally would have, especially when the pandemic first started and the stay-at-home orders first started. And I was fortunate because my old firm, we were very tech savvy. The CEO fully believed in trying to automate as much as possible and like getting a document management system. And obviously we utilize law pay, uh, just coincidentally actually, which was great. But the problem became when you have all these firms who had nothing online and had nothing automated. And then all of a sudden it was, hey, guess what? You're not going into your office. You're not going into the courthouse and you have five or six other attorneys, how are y'all going to communicate? How are you actually going to run your cases? Right? How does discovery work? How does you know prepping for hearings work now with Zoom? So I think it caused a, it was a very uh, steep learning curve for a lot of attorneys. And I would say, especially older attorneys who are more reticent to you know adapt and get new technology in their firm because a lot of people are like, oh, it's an added cost that I don't want. My firm was working just fine before, People were paying by check, people were paying cash, people were paying, you know, the almighty wire transfer. But the problem is now the client doesn't want to come into the office. You don't want to come into the office. How do I get paid? And then it's also affected everybody else in the legal field. You know, court reporters, uh, every time that I've ever had to order a transcript, they wanted a firm check. They didn't take credit cards and they didn't even take cash, actually, uh, the ones that I needed or used or wanted. And so that's another problem too. If the court reporters aren't at the courthouse, they're taking they're taking their uh, records over Zoom and their hearings, which just you know blows my mind. But if I can't get to the courthouse and they're not there, how are they getting paid? So they're also having to utilize this and do online payments. Same with process servers, because again, people aren't coming into their office, but they still absolutely have to get these people personally served. So how are they doing it? So it's just been this ripple effect. I think throughout. I think every single kind of field within the legal community has been touched somehow by this i like how you said that um it's 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 like the older firms that are sort of apprehensive to to implement new systems um and i think i think it's not even just the older firms i think it's it's people who have had early success so even like a decade of success and and they're and they're used to doing things that their way their way um and one of my favorite things that i say here um, to everybody is is the most dangerous phrase in business is we've always done it that way, you know, and and it's such a it's 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 you're you're really not setting yourself up for success if you're just not open to trying new things um, because part of part of learning is failure like you're never gonna know a hundred percent if something is gonna work right and uh, and the other thing I forget what I was gonna say hold on no yeah I'm not gonna remember um, so I'll just move on. Even when, even when the world gets back to being normal, because I mean, it doesn't even seem like that's, that's any, anywhere. I know close. what's normal, right? I wish, I wish that we were, we were a little bit closer, but anyway, um, even when the world gets back to a normal or, or, or a new normal, do you think that it's wise for lawyers to utilize online payment technology over traditional payment collecting methods? 
Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I know a lot of attorneys can identify with this, especially me as a family law attorney, which, you know, the needs of a family law attorney are going to be vastly different from the needs of, you know, some an associate that works in big law. But still, at the end of the day, technology increases exponentially. And this isn't going away anytime soon, this desire for clients to want to pay you online. And then also, the Clio Trends Report just came out. And so they found that in 2019, firms who used electronic payments collected over $10,000 per $10,000 more per attorney. And they're saying for forecasting for 2020, they're saying that number is actually going to be more like 15 grand per attorney that they're collecting more. I would love 10 grand. Same. You know what I mean? Yeah, right? Like just it like would go straight to my loans, but same, yeah. Yeah, I mean exactly. Uh I think I don't know how much my loans are, but I know that that would be awesome. Um. <laughs> it's kind of a no brainer, right? So I think a lot of attorneys get turned off by the fact that, oh, if I do credit cards, that means I'm gonna have to pay a processing fee, which is you know, gonna be more money out of my pocket. Why would I do that to myself? When in reality, it's just kind of the cost of doing businesses and it's the cost of offering that convenience to the client. And then most attorneys anyway, just build that into the back end, work an extra you know, 0.15, for on the case and just build it into the back end. The thing is you can back all this up with data. You know, a TSYS study in 2018 said 79% of consumers prefer to pay by payment card, so credit or debit card, 79%. And that was in 2018, they haven't updated the study yet. And especially with COVID, presumably that number is probably now in the 90th percentile, right? And then same, same study, but older TSYS study, I think in 2016, said, you know, 65% of consumers want to be able to pay things online. Because if I can go to Kroger, or if I can go to the grocery store and use my credit card, why can't I do the same thing with my attorney? Because consumers don't understand, like, why wouldn't I be able to? This is a service or a good that they're offering. Why can't I pay with my credit card? It almost seems a little bit sketchy if you're not able to accept all forms of payment. And uh, like, I know personally, because what I do is, is basically... Um, like outsourcing, right? Um, a lot of people have no problem paying me by credit card. Um, but some people, I have plenty of customers who are like, can I pay you by check? And we're like, sure. You know, it's like one of those things that's like, I guess, I guess I'll wait for a check in the mail. And it's just getting so rare, right? So different study, uh, I don't think it was TSYS, it might've been Pfizer, but said, you know, 55% uh, of people either never carry or rarely use their checkbook, which is, I think if you were to talk to any, you know, any part of the population, more than likely they're going to say, I haven't written a check in years because it used to be, you would only write them for like your landlord, you know, or something, but everything is pretty much online now or automated. And then also if I'm an attorney and say, and this is practicing during COVID and say, I have an initial client consult coming up and it's going to be over zoom because they don't want to leave their house. They're compromised and I don't want to leave my house. So how do I get paid? Am I waiting for a check to be shipped to the office to then hope that the secretary who checks our mail once a week would get it and then deposit it and hope that it clears before our you know, client consult? Or would I rather just send them a payment link prior to the consult that says, and with, along with an email that says, hey, here's the details, here's the Zoom link. By the way, payment is due prior. The consult doesn't happen until payment has been confirmed. And that's the easiest thing to do. And then include a link to your law pay account or whatever, you know, kind of thing that you use. And it's easy as that. So easy. And this is the last joke I'll make, but uh, it's really not a joke. So 
I, I, for some reason, always am talking about my wife on this podcast. Um, maybe because, you know, we're married and she's yeah. a part of my life. I don't know. Uh, like I told you, I'm really weird. Love each other. Yeah, it's, you know, it's corny. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was talking to somebody on maybe two episodes ago about this topic, about like uh, how I don't carry a checkbook. And I was saying um, that I couldn't even find my checkbook right now. And like, I'd have to ask my wife to find yeah. my checkbook. And she watches the podcast because she thinks I'm cool. And uh, she was like, oh, I got another shout out. And by the way, we don't have a checkbook. Um, because after we got married and merged our accounts, she's like, my checkbook was for my account and, and we never got checks. So we don't have any checks. And I was like, yeah, exactly. That even more so proves my point. So I don't even have a checkbook. I don't have a real life checkbook at all. And, 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 and Katie, if you're watching this, um, hi. Um, <laughs> so I, I do want to ask you because I, I think this is, I think this is one of those things that, uh, that like knowledge is power, right? And, and, and if you, if you know upfront that, or, or if you're armed with the facts, you're able to make a better decision. So I want, I want to ask you, what would you say to any, uh, lawyers out there who, who, who see themselves as not so tech savvy, right? Um, that view accepting online payments as this complicated process, what would you what would you say to them? What what would what would be your argument like to oh I'm not I'm not tech savvy, I can't do it. It's honestly the simplest thing depending on the service that you're using. So if you do your research for your payment processors, for one, get one that caters to attorneys. Because the biggest thing about all of it and the biggest kind of selling point of law pay in the first place and why we became so prominent in the field these past, you know, ten plus years is because you're trust account and your operating account can't commingle. So the funds within the both can't commingle because like we talked about before, the funds in your trust account, that's not your money, it's your client's money. You are charged with safekeeping that money per your local state bar rules, lest you be disbarred or sanctioned. So the problem becomes if I'm taking credit cards and I'm say a client pays a $5,000 retainer, the processing fees from that credit card cannot be deducted from my trust account because it's not my money, that's my client's money. So the problem becomes when you're using this, you need to find a service that's compliant. So what LawPay does is say, okay, the money in your trust account is your clients. Nobody touches it. We don't touch it. So the credit card fees get deducted from your operating account once a month. And so that's how that works to make it so that you're not commingling those funds because that's what gets most people in trouble with the bar. I mean, that provision right there, I think it's the ADA model 1.15. That rule right there is the biggest reason why attorneys get sanctioned in pretty much every single state is because they don't understand that. And when they go to their bank or something to set up these accounts and they don't use a service like LawPay and they just are just like, okay, well, I'm going to do it myself. That becomes a problem when your trust account gets audited because you're in the wrong because those fees were deducted from your trust account because the bank doesn't care that you're an attorney. The bank doesn't care about your local state bar rules or anything like that. You know, so they're not going to cater to you in that way and they're not going to give you the reporting that you need to so it's just 
be very careful with that, but it's so incredibly easy. I mean, you could probably, you can get on the phone with the law pay uh, account manager, get everything set up and get it ready to go, you know, and within 48 hours, you could have your okay. account turned around and done. It is extremely simple, extremely easy. I'm actually in the process of doing it now since I'm, I'm working for law pay, but I'm also still doing my own like private practice, right? So I kind of get to see everything firsthand and what people go through and how trust account and reporting actually works. So it is so, hi Luna, it's so, that's my dog, it's so incredibly easy uh, to do it that way, quite honestly. You just, but you need to make sure that you're doing your research and you're not going to some sort of, you know, fly-by-night credit card processor. And, sorry, I'm hearing my own voice just ramble on, but another thing to look out for and what people kind of get hoodwinked about is they'll, a processor will come out and say something like, hey, I'll process all of your cards for 1%. 1% processing fee, that's it, which is absolutely impossible. So if it sounds too good to be true, it is. The credit card processing fee, the majority of that, the bulk of that, say it's 3% to take a credit card or something like that. The bulk of that comes from what's called an interchange fee, which that's set by the credit card brands. Mm -hmm. That's not set by law pay. That's not set by anybody else. It's not set by a government agency. It is Visa, MasterCard, Amex, Discover, all that jazz, which does sound a little bit sketch. Yes, because they're setting their own fees, but they're saying we need to process, we need to tack on X amount for processing fees because we have to absorb the fraud. We have to absorb the costs that go along with taking those cards and things like that. So they work all that in. There's like 300 little fees that go into that interchange fee. And so say taking a rewards credit card is going to cost you more. And there is absolutely no way that a service could offer you, you know, a 1% processing fee on that card because that's below that base interchange rate. So they'll kind of bait and switch you with that. And they'll say, oh, by the way, you signed up for us. The 1% or the 1.5% actually only pertains to debit cards. And your credit card is actually going to be, you know, 4.5%. And so they'll go and they'll do this bait and switch. So look for absolute transparency with your numbers when you're going through this process. So everything I heard from you is basically just telling me that law pay makes your life easier. And uh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. And, and I've always felt like, and this is so cool to, to talk to you because obviously I've had, I've had conversations from, from other people at law pay. We've done a bunch of partnership things, some joint content. Um, but, uh, I've, and, and I have to admit this is like over the years when I've done sort of like my, my law firm marketing content, because a lot of what I do is I just try to help lawyers make their practices better. And it's, you know, it's, it, for me, it's fun. And, and it's one of these things that I get to do that like, I get paid for, so I, I like to have fun with it. But I've always recommended law pay. And obviously, you guys are here on the podcast, so it's a testament to that. But I always felt like such a cop-out where I would just be like, oh, yeah, like, go to law pay. They'll figure it out And because I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's not my job to figure out, um, you know, putting things into your trust account, obeying your local and state bar regulations, Um and, and, and so I was just like, oh man, like I'm just kind of like putting the burden on them. But you know, what's really funny is that's why you're there. Uh, it makes it so that you don't even have to think about that stuff. And I don't know if what we were talking about before the intro is going to make it on, but we were both talking about how people, first of all, have gone to jail for far less. And, and I'm serious when I say this, but I have personally met multiple attorneys who have been disbarred for 
misappropriation and mishandling of client funds for the cost of running a credit card anyway. You no longer have to worry about losing your 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 license to practice law. That's that's all I'm hearing. And uh, the thing you said about like a rewards card is more expensive is so funny because I I don't even think about that. But like I don't have a credit card that I can swipe that doesn't give me one percent back on anything. I could buy I could buy a dog, and and in fact I did pay for my dog with my credit card. Shout out Alfie, you made it to the podcast too, buddy. Um, but I paid for my dog with a credit card and I got 1% back on him and he was a, a rescue. So it was like one of those donations you make to the rescue, but I did it on a credit card. But yeah. It's kind of wild. Like a lot of it, a lot of stuff goes into those fees that nobody really realizes, but they say, you know, debit cards are going to be lower because debit cards are the closest thing to cash. So when people are paying with a debit card, they're inserting their pin, you know, so it's a little bit more secure. So they're going to say it's less fraud risk. So that means the processing fee is going to be lower for that. And same with say, when you go, say you go into a Walmart, an in-person transaction where you're using a debit card is going to be lower because they're able to verify your identity. They can check your license, things like that. And putting your pin number is gonna lower, you know, lower the fraud risk, things like that, as opposed to online payments, right? Where it's kind of like that can just run rampant with as far as, you know, fraud goes. So you're going to be charged a higher, you know, a little bit of a higher percentage when it comes to that by the credit card brands. I just feel like all of that is such a negligent cost and maybe that's just me being super ignorant and not and not really caring about the plight of like maybe a struggling attorney who's trying to get by but to me being able to cast a wider net and 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 being able to broaden my market share like I I know for certain right that if I'm going to hire a lawyer unless unless there's some kind of crazy disclaimer where it says I will I will take 15% off your price if you pay me in cash. I, I'm not going to go get cash. I'm going to go with the, with the lawyer or the service or the business who takes credit cards. Right. And, well, and too, you know, it's that always be closing mentality, that ABC mentality that attorneys kind of have to learn with it too. So if I have a client that's coming into my office, say this was pre-COVID, but I have a client that's coming into my office they want to retain my services. They've talked about it. They're ready. And I'm not offering credit cards. So I say, okay, perfect. That's going to be a $10,000 retainer. And, you know, and I don't begin work until I get a signed fee agreement and the retainer payment in full. So they're immediately going to be like, I didn't bring $10,000 in cash. And again, over 55%, 55% of people don't have a checkbook or rarely use it. So they're going to say, Oh, I didn't bring my checkbook either. So now all of a sudden I have to say, okay, well, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So then I'm letting them leave my office to go to the bank to get cash or a money order or to go home and grab their checkbook. And then in that time, every attorney, especially solo practitioners are very familiar with this. During that time, the client is driving home and calling their cousin and saying, oh yeah, I met with Jordan. She was great. I'm going to retain her. She told me X, Y, Z. And she told me that, you know, these are the probabilities of what we're looking at for our court case. And then said cousin is like, oh no, I read this article on Facebook, or I talked to a friend of a friend who also went through a divorce and Jordan is wrong. This is the wrong attorney for you. You need to go and shop around for another attorney. And so all of a sudden my client who was more than willing to give me $10,000 15 minutes ago is now having misgivings because of their cousin who's now a Facebook attorney kind of a deal or a Google scholar told him something that was completely wrong but it still is in his head. So now I've basically cost myself a client 
because I didn't offer that they could just put it on a credit card and I could get started and start working on their case that day. So that's my big thing too. It's I'm, you are potentially losing out on revenue if you're not offering that payment. And like, for me, I want that money in my pocket and I want that fee agreement signed before they leave period. That hypothetical just gave me such a headache. And I was talking about this earlier today. So, um, obviously what I do is marketing. I'm in this, this Facebook group, uh, for a company called SEMrush. If you don't know what SEMrush is, don't worry about it. It's for nerds. Um, but we're talking about, um, and they, a lot of the people who are in this are like marketing agency side people who have real customers. And so they're like, does anybody have like, you know, just make me feel better. Does anybody have an annoying customer who you told them what you wanted to do for them and how much it would cost? And they said, okay. And they left. And then they came back and they said, my nephew, he's 18. He does marketing on the side. He said he could do this for $200, not for a thousand dollars a month. Why, like, why can he do it for $200? And it's like, <sighs> but no, you're totally right. And, and, and it's not even about always be closing mentality. It's really about like getting to work sooner too, you know, like why would you, why would you want to, and, and yeah, you're right. You are right. Why would you want to give anybody the opportunity to not hire you? You know? Right. It's, because I know how good I am. You know, let's not miss words with it. I know how good I am. I know that I can work that case and I know I'm going to be the best attorney for them. But at the same time, you need to be protecting yourself with that because you can be the best attorney in the world. But if you're not offering these options to your clients, you're still losing that client. Perfectly said. Wow. Um, so I kind of want to, I want to ask you this and, and I always think this is, this is so cool, especially now that like I have some real experience in the, in the, in the, in the legal space too, because I've seen things change over the past like decade. Um, so in your opinion, um, how have the payment handling expectations of legal clients evolved in recent years? Um, what are they? I want to say, I want to say demanding, but what are they expecting now that they weren't like 10 years ago? Right. Well, to pay online, definitely. Right. Which we just talked about that most, that most consumers expect to be able to have, have you offer that service to them as far as that goes. And then I think that that's just kind of a logical flow, right. With what clients want from you. And then clients also want things like payment plans especially now, especially with COVID, when people are losing their jobs, you know, law pay, for instance, offers a scheduled payments option. So, hey, you can't pay the full $2,000 retainer right now. That's fine. I have a credit card authorization form. We can do it in installments of, you know, $500 a month. Have them sign the form, have them sign the agreement, and then you can just charge their card automatically every month until that, you know, until the $2,000 is paid in full. So I think they want options, period, end of story. And if I'm the attorney, my goal is to reduce friction between my client and their, and their, you know, pocketbook, essentially. Like I do not ever want to make it difficult for you to pay me money that I've worked or for you to pay me that I've worked for, obviously, or for you to pay me money that I can have in the bank to work against a retainer. So it just kind of depends, but I think they absolutely expect you to be able to do that. And clients generally, I think nowadays expect you to meet them where they're at as opposed to the attorney kind of sitting on high, you know, saying, please come to me with your problems, but I don't really, you know, care about this. And I think attorneys have to have become much more 
hand holders, which, you know, for better, or for worse, blessing and a curse, especially for family law. But I think you've really had to meet clients way more where they are and adapt to them far more when it comes to technology and things like that. So as a podcaster, when you have someone on your show, you obviously don't want to try to make them look bad, whether that's on purpose or by accident. And <laughs> I, I am in my personal and my work life famous for sticking my foot in my mouth. And so I have wanted to ask this entire time, does law pay offer payment options like payment plans? And I was yeah. like, Nick, shut up. Don't make them ask a don't ask them a question that might make them look bad. And so when you said you offer payment plans, I was like, ah, now I can ask like how these payment plans work and you, and you pretty much covered it. Um, yeah, I feel like honestly, we wouldn't have survived as a company unless, and you really don't, especially in this kind of payments era, you don't survive unless you've decided to adapt and you're okay with change. So yeah, we have scheduled payments features, all that jazz. We have e-check options now that are great. Uh, and then also coming down the pipeline, but it's only in beta mode right now, we're offering something called law credit, which is essentially when clients can't pay, they can apply for financing. Uh, yeah, and the financing will go through the back end of PayPal essentially, but so that's a big thing like when you're on, you know, when you're buying clothes online or something like that, it says, oh, by the way, you can now pay with the firm and you can break it up into monthly payments and they get financing. So the lawyer doesn't have to do anything with regard to the financing. It, the money just shows up in your account. So we're offering that too. That'll be more widely available coming in 2021. We're just beta testing it out with a few hundred attorneys. That's going to be huge. Yeah, I'm honestly really excited about it. It's going to be great. That is awesome. And so, first of all, congratulations. Second of all, thank you for sharing that with us. And third of all, I'd like to give, I, I like to share my personal experiences with things because I feel like that's the only thing that I can possibly bring to the table. <laughs> so, um, when I bought an engagement ring from, for my, my now wife, um, I feel like everybody has this, this uh, sort of threshold of money that they're comfortable parting with, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and you, could be, you could be really wealthy, right? You can make like a million dollars a year, but still like, you know, say you're hiring somebody to do a merger for your company and they want a $50,000 retainer right? Because they know that this maybe is going to cost 50,000. They want it up front. Maybe you're a shysty guy, whatever. Um, and 50,000 is like, you know, it's kind of near your comfort level of, of cash that you're willing to part with up front. Um, you have it, it's available to you, but you don't want to give that up all in one shot. And, uh, and this is true of like buying a car too. Like, you know, sometimes you buy a car, like, sure, I could buy this car in cash, but I, I don't want to. Um, and for other people who don't have a lot of money, that, that's not really an option for them. So I think payment plans uh, is one of those things that can help you persuade a customer. So definitely payment plans, right? Because you can tell a customer, you know, you don't have to pay for this all, all, uh, all in one shot. You can break it up into smaller payments. That makes it much more manageable because that's how we all make money anyway. You know, right. we don't make all of our money on January 1st of the year and then divvy it up for the rest of the year. You know, we, even when you own a business, it, it doesn't work like that. Um, so just breaking things up, it just, it makes for me at least, and I imagine for other people, it makes the decision-making process that much easier, but especially, especially um, getting like, like uh, financing. 
And I see this all the time. And this is, this is pretty funny because I have a friend who's in, uh, in, in construction. And uh, for whatever reason, it, this is advertised to me all the time. I don't know why. But it's like, oh, does your, does your construction company offer financing? You're losing out to your competitors who are able to help their customers get financing. And I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah, like if I was to put an extension on my house, right? Say that's what I want to do. I want to put an extension on my house. They tell me it's going to cost me $100,000. That I can tell you for a fact, I do not have. And I am not charging that because I ain't paying the interest on that. So yes. if I was able to get financing for that, I know because, right, like one of the examples is you're going to get value out of this, right? You're adding this value to your home and you're eventually going to pay it off and this, that, the third. But that's such an applicable thing for when you're hiring an attorney, like you're getting value out of it. Unless, yeah. unless you're getting, you know, defended in court for being, you know, out there doing some loopy stuff. But yeah, doing some, that's, well, I mean, it, it really, I think it's kind of a game changer for access to justice at the end of the day, especially a lot of criminal attorneys do flat rate fees. So it's difficult when you're in jail or you just got out you don't have much money and so and then you don't want to necessarily have to go to a public defender so this is definitely something that could help you out there as far as you know law credit is concerned with that it's a little bit more difficult i think for say family law because everybody says oh yeah three thousand dollar retainer i'll finance it this is great it's going to be completely uncontested and then as every single family law attorney knows, it's like never uncontested. And so the cost kind of skyrockets a little bit. So it just depends. But I think as far as definitely for criminal law and especially for flat rate fees, things like that, it's just going to be amazing to see what it can do. I didn't even think about it like that for criminal law, but you're 100% right. One of the things is, is that criminal law uh, attorneys complain about is... Um, you know, I'm not getting the right type of clients. They can't afford my services. And, and this sounds to me like a game changer, as long as they're able to secure some sort of credit. But I, I can't imagine that being too much of the issue, especially, you know, just the fact that that's being offered. So, right. And again, it's not the attorney's issue. That credit comes straight from the client's True. own finances. The client has to clear it, you know, and PayPal does it on the back end. So truly the attorney doesn't have to do anything. The client just has to click on how they want to pay it. Huh. Yeah, that's it. That's going to be cool. I can't wait to have you back on talking about that whenever that comes out. Yeah, um, be good. So I want to ask you because we're talking about timeliness, right? And obviously, you know, running your own business, running your own firm, um, you have to make money. Mm -hmm. If you're not bringing in money every month, you're not going to be able to stay open. Um, and so a lot of the problems that people run into is that clients really aren't paying them on time or when they expect to be paid. So, and I know you probably have some numbers on this. So how much does giving clients the ability to pay by credit card increase the odds of them paying on time? Yeah, Clio actually has some super, super cool uh, data on that. I think they said that this is from, I don't think they've updated the numbers since, but I think in 2016, their legal trend report said, hey, Clients who pay online or who are offered that option pay 39% faster, 39%. And then it's kind of an astounding number. I think from the 2019 report, they said 57% of online payments are paid the same day that that invoice is sent out. So if I send out an invoice that says client, you owe me $5,000, here's the link to pay. 
57% of the time they're paying within the same day, 85% of the time they're paying within the same week, which is kind of wild. I can almost guarantee you that what you just said is the intro to this podcast. <laughs> it's like, that- so they, there's just a bunch of fun data with that, but I mean, it's absolutely, you know, if you think about it, it's kind of a no brainer. If a client is sent an invoice and doesn't have the ability to pay by credit card. Okay. Well then they're paying by check which they're having to fish out their checkbook and mail it to you, or they're paying by wire transfer, which is difficult. A lot of clients don't know how to do that. And we really only did it when it came to super huge amounts, right? When it, come to, when it came to our high asset uh, family law firm. And then so, or they're doing a money order or they're dropping cash by your office. So again, those are taking, the clients would have to take extra steps in order to get that payment to you, rather than just plugging in a credit card number that chances are they already have saved their Apple Pay or their computer or something like that, where they can just do it, plug it in and have it be done that same day and they don't have to worry about it. Otherwise you're having to worry about tracking down that payment in the first place, making sure the check clears, you know, finally four days after you received it. So it's pushing all of your receivables back. So all of a sudden you're two months into it and they still haven't paid their first invoice. You know, and so it just, to me, it's kind of a no brainer to increase firm efficiency to take a credit card. To summarize, guys, do you want to get paid more often, quicker, and by doing less work? Hi. I know, and it sounds, that's the thing, and it sounds super gimmicky, but it's backed up by all of this data. And it's also just backed up by common sense too, right, at the end of the day. But truly, I mean, if you're not doing it, I don't know why. I want to I wanna ask you more about this because we were talking about this before is, is um, when you're taking on payments, um, especially as an attorney, you, you, you have to sort of abide by, and that's sort of, don't quote me as sort of, you have to abide by your, your, your bar, state, and local regulations, right? Correct. Um, so how does law pay ensure that you are abiding by these things? How, how does law pay ensure safe and secure online payment transactions that are um, compliant? Right. So you're, there's no commingling of funds, which a lot of attorneys are familiar with that because for one, either you had to take a professional responsibility class in law school, which was kind of a joke, but you had to take it anyway, or you took a test called the NPRE, which is kind of like a model ethics rule test that you take. Uh, and that, that combined with the bar gets you your bar license or that combined with your professional responsibility class gets you your bar license. But, uh, but the problem becomes is you cannot bleed these funds together. So your operating account, like your office expenses, your payroll expenses, all that jazz, that's in one account. And then your client's money. So your client's trust funds, your client's retainer funds, and also property of your client is in that account. So sometimes, for instance, in family law, the, ha- the marital residence will need to be sold, but nobody knows what to do with the money yet because the case isn't over. So one of the attorneys will say, okay, no problem. We can hold it in my trust account. So that money gets put and dumped into your trust account. And you are just safe keeping it for your client. You're not doing anything else with it because you can't, because again, it's not your money taking it would be theft and could get you disbarred. So the important thing is to keep these two funds 
disconnected. Uh, so they call it no commingling. So law pay ensures that. And then also law pay ensures that there's no third party debiting from your trust account. So nobody can come in and debit from that trust account. The only money that should be moving is when you transfer money from your trust to your operating account. So your credit card fees aren't coming out of that trust account and nothing else is really, unless you're actually transferring it to your operating account. So that's so, Okay. So, and, and, and I don't know this because I'm not an attorney and I definitely don't own my own firm. Um, but say, say I'm just getting started, right? Say I don't have, I don't have a trust account. I have my regular bank account and uh, I'm setting up a business account. Will LawPay help me set up a trust account? Yes. They'll, usually they'll tell you like, yeah, here's the steps that you'd have to do to go to your bank, things like that. But they can at least lead you in the right direction before to get everything set up for you. Yes. Okay. So, so. Like basically you should be able to call them and say, I'm starting out. I don't know how to do this. You know, what do I need? Like, what do you need from me? And what do I need to do to get this done? And mm -hmm. the account managers are great at what they do. And they do this every single day with hundreds of attorneys. I love to hear that because I speak to, and, and for the same reason that you do, right? I speak to uh, a lot of just starting out law firms. And actually it's so funny because um, obviously my job is marketing. I, I'm, one, of my, one of my main responsibilities is, is inbound uh, like lead generation. And so I, I get all of the forms from my website that get submitted. And I'd love to see, um, especially like uh, somebody, and, and because I also have an answering service, if somebody calls in, I get the message from the answering service and the receptionist will take the message and it'll say something sometimes along the lines of, uh, Peter Smith is calling in. He is looking to start a brand new personal injury law firm. Um, so he wants to, because he doesn't really have money to hire a receptionist. He wants to hire our services. And, uh, and then I'll check back in on, on this guy, Peter Smith. Right. And I'll talk to my account managers and they'll be like, Oh yeah. Like this guy didn't even have a phone yet. Like he's just getting set up and he was asking me what's the best phones to use. And why would we not know that? You know what I mean? So, and, and we don't have a phone that we use. We, we just know like, and, it, and sometimes it's difficult because we've, we've had so much experience with different areas. So depending on where you are in the country, there's only a certain amount of options available to you. And uh, not to bash anybody, but I, I had this really funny example the other day is uh, one, of my, one of my account managers, Jack, was talking to me. And he was signing somebody up for the service. And the guy was like, oh, like you caught me at this really great time. I'm on my way to pick up my new cell phone. And Jack, being the smart guy that he is, says to the attorney what what uh what company what carrier are you going with and the guy goes oh i'm going to metro pcs right oh here's jack right now i have a window right in front of me uh <laughs> he's like i'm going with metro pcs and jack is like no you're not don't go there turn around don't do that and uh and he's like why and he's like because you're an attorney you're an attorney you need certain features available to you with your phone, right? You're a solo guy. You know, I know you have an office phone, but I know for a fact that you're running around, you're taking calls on your cell phone from clients because you're in court, you're driving back to the office. You're here, you're trying to meet with somebody over here. Uh, you're working from home, all this stuff. If you get Metro PCS, you won't have sophisticated call forwarding technology. You won't have good call waiting. You won't get service where you need to get service and, and all this stuff. And he was able to, to tell this guy, like I, I personally, it makes, I'm going to sleep 
great tonight. You know, you're going to use my service. You're going to pay me the same amount of money, no matter what, but don't do that. And so it, it's, it's almost like, um, it's, it's, it's like a little bit heartwarming to me to hear from a company, um, especially like law pay, because, you know, you guys seem like a really big company, but I know for a fact that you do such a good job because I've spoken to so many of your customers. Um, but it's cool that you don't have trust accounts, right? It's cool that you're not like a banking institution. Oh, right now. Still point people in the right direction to go get the right tools to succeed. I love to hear that stuff. And I feel like we're one of those very, which this was the mentality from the beginning when Amy Porter kind of started all of this was, it, and it's such a relic now, but the deal was we want to put our customers first. And at the end of the day, if you call in, you should be able to get somebody on the phone, period, end of story. So if you have a problem and you need support there, you should be able to call and get an actual person on the line. So that's always been the mentality from when I was there, you know, in like 2010, uh, even up to now. So it's great. And it's great to see that pretty much everybody that I knew when I was there before, they're all still there. You know, everybody believes in this company and loves this company and loves what, it, you know, what we're able to offer to our clients. I and, and this is sort of going to sound abrupt, but I, I, have, I have loved talking to you about all this stuff. Um, I, I so appreciate you jumping on the show. Um, and I just feel like you've educated me a lot, like so much more on law pay and that I'm going to be able to, to really effectively, because everything I know about law pay is stuff that I've either researched on the site or just sent over a list of questions to somebody, you know, who's on your marketing team and they gave me back some answers and uh and i feel like i was able to really dive deep and ask you the questions that you know maybe i i didn't really have the best understanding of um so i really appreciate you being on the show i do want to end with this though is because you're so involved in like the legal software space doing what you do and being where you are is there anything else that you would advise law firms to invest in from like a software standpoint, or maybe, maybe you have something else, but I, that's my, that's my shtick. I would, if I had to like name like a top three, right. Of things like I couldn't live without being a solo practitioner or having a firm, it would be one law pay, obviously to be able to accept online payments, but two case management system by far. And so that would be, you know, that would be like Clio, that'd be like Zola Suite, things like that. And law pay integrates with most every, I mean, it's very rare that we don't integrate with any of these software companies. So we integrate with mostly everyone. And so pick one from a board, chances are they have a law pay integration. So you don't ever have to worry about that. And you don't ever have to worry about if you're switching from these, you know, if you're switching from uh, different software companies, we'll follow you and it's completely fine and we'll integrate. And then I would say the third one would be a document management system, especially now, you know, and not all of them are created equal and some are going to be more clunky than others. And I've used quite a few like, you know, NetDocs and Zola offers their own now too. So you kind of really do have to play around with that though, because I feel like those can get extremely expensive very fast. And so you really have to do your research on that and see what you need for a firm of your size. But I would say that your online payments, your software management system, and for client intake and things like that. And then your document management system. And those are really the top three for me that I need to be able to go about my business every day without having to continually worry about, you know, the administrative like functions of my firm. Jordan, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, for anybody watching this who has made it this far, 
thank you also, but um, the links for all of LawPay's resources, signing up, whatever you get will be uh, down below in the description. And uh, if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're else you can find podcasts, same thing, description to this is where you can find LawPay. Big thanks to Jordan. Big thanks to LawPay. I really appreciate you being here with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was great.